Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Uh, so on this podcast, we have a guest, uh, Rob Reed, who is an author who's coming out with a new book. Um, and I'll do the regular intro in a second, but I did want to note that there's an addendum at the end. Uh, we recorded the original podcast a few weeks ago, and we talk a little bit about some of the things that Rob is doing with the launch, uh, in particular, in partnership with the website Medium. Uh, and some of the details happen to change uh, between the time that we recorded the original podcast and now when the uh, partnership with Medium is actually launching. So we talk about it a little bit in the podcast and then we uh, have an addendum where we clarify some of the details that have been worked out between the time we recorded the original podcast and then uh, now. So uh, after this, you can listen to the regular podcast and then stick around at the very end and we'll come back and explain some of the more details and maybe correct some of the uh, what we thought initially was going to happen and then didn't happen. So uh, that's it. Thanks. The world is increasingly technological. So we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the if we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. So grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Let's start off with yet another reminder. Uh, if you listen to the podcast and you're not subscribed to it in your podcast app, um, go fix that. Uh, fix it now and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you're subscribed and you haven't reviewed the podcast, fix that too. Uh, go and review it on iTunes or wherever else you can review it. And finally, if you've reviewed us and you haven't yet signed up to support us on Patreon, you can also fix that now and go to patreon.com slash techdirt and back us and get access to bonus episodes and more. Anyways, with that out of the way, uh, five years ago on TechDirt, we wrote about an amusing science fiction novel about copyright. Yes, a science fiction novel about copyright and also aliens called Year Zero, uh, written by Rob Reed, who, among other things, had created Listen.com, which launched the very first authorized music streaming service called Rhapsody. Reed uh, clearly channeled some of his experience in licensing music into Year Zero, which involves aliens wanting to destroy the Earth because of copyright infringement. Reed is back now with a new novel called After On, which is based on the or in the same general universe as Year Zero, but takes on some more meatier subjects around startups, entrepreneurship, innovation, patents, surveillance, terms of service, and much, much more. If you liked Year Zero, or if you haven't read it and you just like the description of it, uh, you'll easily get right into After On as well. Uh, After On will be released in full on August 1st, but as a sort of experiment, Rob and his publisher Random House have teamed up with the online site Medium to release portions of the book for people to read, uh, something of an attempt to bring back the practice of serializing books in magazines. So today on the podcast, we've got Rob on to talk about the book uh, and as well as the release strategy. So welcome, Rob. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Yeah, uh, uh, th this should be fun. So let's let's start with with the book. Um, first of all, uh, what took five years from one book to the next one? Uh, I decided to spell check it by hand rather than using a computer, and <laughs> oh that was goodness. three and a half years. <laughs> uh, no, um, well, I was busy with a bunch of stuff. Uh, probably there was probably two years. The first two years after I wrote Year Zero. Um, I was really busy with tech investing. I do some early stage tech investing and that kind of like got some momentum. And this is just a really long book. So that's the other three years. It is 547 pages long. I, I will say it is, it, is a, it is much longer than year zero. It is. And it's more, as you mentioned, 
Uh, it is in many ways more serious, although there are a lot of playful dimensions to it. People who enjoyed the playfulness of Year Zero, there are probably at least as many playful pages in this one because it's such a long <laughs> book. Uh, yes. But there's also a lot of really serious stuff, including the topics that you mentioned. And there's also a, it takes a very serious look at the risks pay, uh, posed by superintelligence, potential risks posed yep. by plausible superintelligences. Uh, it gets into the promises and perils of synthetic biology in a deep way. Uh, um, it takes a very serious look at the uh, the reliability of Amazon reviews as well, which is a <laughs> dead serious subject for authors. Um, so there's some dark there's some dark do, do matter th there. Do, do you think Amazon is going to punish you for <laughs> for taking on that issue? We will find out together, Mike. Um, <laughs> so the the backstory that I will share with your listeners. I don't know if this is actually out much yet but um Ooh. so but this is fun this is kind of a scoop yeah because none of these are in the first excerpt but um so the first excerpt i should do a little bit of a backup um medium is excerpting almost half the book uh they license that gigantic chunk from random house and it's kind of an experiment on the part of all three of us uh with medium and random house being the far more significant players but it's kind of <laughs> cool to be in the middle of it and i i did tee it up because i know the folks at medium as well as the folks at random house and uh yesterday on the 10th of july um the first excerpt went up so it's the first 51 pages of the book went up on medium and uh, there will be three more excerpts on the 17th, the 24th, and the 31st of July. Um, now, that Amazon reference, uh, starting a little bit deeper into the book than what we've put up thus far, there are uh, about 18 Amazon reviews in this crazy novel, and they are absolutely part of the storytelling. And what's interesting about them is that these are actual reviews that I, Rob Reed, posted to the internet back in 2002, 2003, without actually realizing I would one day put them into a novel. <laughs> and I put them up under a name other than my own. Uh, I was depicting or portraying a fictitious reviewer on Amazon named Charles Henry Higginsworth III when I wrote these things with no notion of a future novel. And I have now uh, managed to integrate them in the novel. So they are sitting up on Amazon, dated 2002, and uh, they were works of fiction then, and they are parts of a bigger work of fiction now. And and do they still exist on Amazon? They do. Yes, uh -huh. they are all up there. In fact, I think I put about 18 of these Charles Henry Higginsworth III reviews uh, into the book, but there's about 40 or 50 up on Amazon. So this is just a subset <laughs> of so you my... you go hunting for... <laughs> for it's for like boyhood. It's like boyhood, yeah. you know? Like we, we, we started creating the assets uh, yes. almost 20 years ago yes. without realizing that they and were going to... they've aged so well. <laughs> magnificently, yes. I think... Thank you. I'm glad you said that. I agree. I, I have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, it will be interesting to see how Amazon reacts to that news I think as well. I think they'll be fine. I mean, the beauty of it is that when I... So the, the backstories, I wrote these things kind of as a form of therapy because I was running <laughs> Rhapsody and I found that very stressful. I had a couple hundred people working for me. Um, and I really, in my heart of hearts, wanted to be a novelist one of these days. And so I created this crazy set of reviews that I was really writing for the fun of it in this imaginary voice of this imaginary character. And basically, Charles Henry Higginsworth III would get about midway, maybe a third of the way into a review of some bizarre product. I picked the strangest things I could. And you get about midway into the review and then start basically bitching about his life. And an autobiography <laughs> emerged from that. Now, since then, I had never, at that point, I had never seen anybody do anything like this with Amazon reviews. Amazon itself was pretty new. It was only a few years old as a company. Right. And I thought I was doing something kind of new, and I may well have been. Um, what has since happened is there, there are now obviously a lot of playful reviews up on Amazon, and Amazon has never actually taken them down. So I think they'll be very tolerant toward mine um but they may claim that they have the copyrights on them who knows because they haven't yeah. setting up on the amazon site for quite some time now yeah I, I i was wondering about that i mean you should still get the the copyright as the creator we'll I see i don't know i, don't I, know I may have given license them... terms are yeah right and ironically eulas are a very big part of this the tale of this book and so <laughs> right. i have no idea what eula i agreed to back in 2002 <laughs> when i posted this stuff so they may well, they may have actually had something that said by the way this is our property and if you ever embed it in a larger work that's our property too i mean we'll find out together
<laughs> yes, yes, and I, I'm sure I'll be writing about that if that if that does occur. God, this so, is so meta, particularly if the yeah. confession came from the Tech Dirt podcast. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, wow. There's no denying it now. <laughs> yes. Well, I think you would also have a pretty strong fair use claim. We'll see. Transformative, but 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 who knows? Who, who knows? knows? Um, <laughs> very interesting. So. Um, you know, so you know, as you mentioned, certainly this book takes on a lot of a lot of other subjects, and and some of which go really, really deep. Um, and so, I, I I would imagine um, that you also spent time doing a fair bit of research for this book. I did. Um, so basically, I probably conducted, man, dozens of interviews for sure with different technologists and scientists, and then also people that you know, are engaged in different political issues and sociological issues because the book does touch on lots and lots of stuff. And so the core story is uh, a little bit of a spoiler here, but it's the kind of thing that most readers will see coming hundreds of pages off because there are hundreds of pages and you're still just in the middle of the book. Um, there's this rather diabolical social media company called Flutter, P-H-L-U-T-T-R. And yes, I have that URL. Uh, <laughs> so so Flutter is this sort which, of... Which exists in, the, in year zero too. It does. So that's one of um, Flutter the company, if we can call the company a character, is one of three characters that crosses over between the two books. So Flutter is sort of a, a running joke in year zero. It's this awful social media company that's constantly posting everything that you do, and it's hard to figure out how to shut it off or to deinstall it, but everybody thinks it's brilliant because, you know, everybody always seems to be lionizing creepy things <laughs> that go on social media. I don't know why. And so this is the story of Flutter the company, and it's an imaginary startup, and it's a social media company, and, and the spoiler is about midway through the book, uh, Flutter contrary to the interests of anybody who has anything to do with the company, and contrary to, to your interests and my own, attains consciousness. And uh, <laughs> rather than going all Terminator and trying to kill us all, it kind of takes on the character of that which it is, which is a social network, and it basically becomes a hyper-intelligent, super-empowered 14-year-old brat. Um, <laughs> and a certain amount of hilarity ensues, which is where the playfulness of the book comes in. But as does a great deal of, of kind of dark developments. And as noted, as I mentioned earlier, it is uh, a, it, on many levels a very serious rumination um, on the risks that we might face from an artificial superintelligence, but it also has a great deal of fun with what could be comical about that, particularly if that intelligence takes on much of its um, kind of under, underlying uh, neural pathways from humans and inherits as a result a lot of our foibles and our weaknesses and our quirks and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, a good way of, of describing it, I think. Um, and so... I, I, but I, I think... I'm still, I'm still kind of curious about, about some of the, the research that went into it because, I mean a lot of the book is is very thought provoking as well i mean it it is you know enjoyable and, and fun to read but but it's you know it's it's really not light reading i would say in some ways like parts of it are and parts of it really sort of get you thinking a lot too yeah so on the the research front i'd say there were um again i conducted a lot of inter interviews but there were three areas four areas that i personally was not super deep in before i started that i that i went very deep in. And one was neuroscience and consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I spent a great deal of time with a brilliant uh, neuroscientist at UCSF named Adam Ghazali. And Adam uh, was just very generous with his time. I knew him barely when I started researching this book. I met him at a wedding, a friend, mutual friend's wedding. But he was really fabulously generous with his time. And we became quite good friends through the process of, of my researching this book to the point that, you know, our, our wives and the two of us have spent 10 days sailing together since then and <laughs> like really become quite good. We spent last year's Eve together with a couple other friends. Like we're pretty good buddies. And um, so it helped, I think, that we got on so well. So yeah. Adam was a, was a tremendous resource. And I would like to mention what he does because I think a lot of your you know, the tech nerd audience would find his work intriguing. He has um, a lab at UCSF, a very large lab, um, with almost 100 full-time equivalents in it, which is immense for an academic yeah. uh, facility. It's huge. It's huge. And what they do is they research the impact that scientifically tuned video games can have on cognition. 
And so uh, he ended up on the cover of Nature a couple of years ago, uh, which is kind of like landing on the cover of Rolling Stone if you're a rock star in the <laughs> 70s or 80s, right? Or right. even today. Um, and he landed on the cover of Nature because they developed in their lab a video game that demonstrably reverses the clinical symptoms of dementia. Mm. And um, that is sort of a holy grail that a lot of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies like Lumosity, I mean, Lumosity is, is definitely science-based, although not science-validated. You know, a lot of companies right. and people have, have intuited that if you give your brain a workout, you can stave off the horrible scourge that is dementia. And they certainly seem to have shown that demonstrably in the lab with this game. And they have, um, there, there is now a company in Boston uh, of which Adam is a, a co-founder. And in the interest of absolute clear disclosure, I am a minuscule investor in this company as well. So I'll try to be as neutral as possible in describing what they do. But they're basically productizing uh, Adam's science. Hmm. And they have a game that is in the third and final phase of FDA approval uh, that is uh, intended and designed uh, to counteract ADHD and to hopefully allow uh, parents and kids to fight ADHD on the part of kids without medicating those kids. Right. And so um, it's a really interesting mission that they pursue in the lab. Adam is an extraordinarily uh, talented neuroscientist. So that was one of the vectors that I pursued in doing my research. Uh, another area that I got a lot of um, tremendous help in was synthetic biology. That was a field I knew nothing about before mm -hmm. I started researching the book, and it plays a very significant role in the book. And um, to just sort of shed a little bit of light on the role it plays in the book, there is amazing promise in the field of synthetic biology, but I'm personally concerned about how it might be misused in the future yeah. by terrorists. And, you know, we currently live in an environment in which a lone nut can kill dozens of people, and many lone nuts have, um, but their ability to kill a lot more people than that is, you know, constrained by the firepower of their gun or the sharpness of their blade or in certain rare circumstances, uh, the vastness of the airplane that they're using. Um, right. Synthetic biology in the future, I mean, this is, I'm a science fiction writer, so I get to make things that are probably not immediate risks happen in the present. And this book is set in present day San Francisco. In the future, synthetic biology could pose terrible risks as, um, you know, things that are currently the domain of exotically radically advanced laboratories become the domain of smart high school kids. And all science eventually goes from the extraordinary, you know, deep, deep research lab to the hands of high school kids. I mean, there's stocking stuffers out there that Thomas Edison couldn't even have dreamt of because right. the passage of time makes wizards of us all. And that's usually a good thing and an empowering thing. But there's some dangers in SynBio. So on that area... Uh, I spent a great deal of time with a brilliant guy named Andy Hessel, who is currently at Autodesk. He's worked at lots of different companies in their life sciences software and life sciences tools domain. And he is one of the progenitors of what's now being called Human Genome Project 2. Uh, mm. He basically instigated the start of it. And now people like George Church at Harvard and lots of other um, major, major figures in synthetic biology are involved in it. And the this project's intention is to synthesize uh, a human genome, just as the original human genome project sequenced or read a human genome. So um, yeah, lots of access to extraordinary folks like Adam and uh, Andy. And um, as a result of having had that access and enjoyed it, uh, I wanted to put all this amazing stuff that I learned about these fields into the novel, but that becomes lousy storytelling. Nobody wants to read <laughs> a 20-page digression about synthetic biology. So I'm creating... You might be surprised. <laughs> I might be. Yeah, that's true. It's true, but more in a nonfiction book. And sure, so sure. Um, what I'm doing is I'm creating podcasts with lots of the people who helped me write this book that are going to... I'm basically releasing in conjunction with the book. Yeah, and that's interesting, even if it's competing with this podcast. Even but, if it is, but, you know, people <laughs> have to... We're, we are happy to have more, more podcasts on there. I'm not uh, uh, 
there's there's plenty of time out there to listen to many podcasts. And so there are if, 24 hours a day, and if you yes. if you listen on 2x speed, which I recommend to anybody who's a fast listener, there's 48 hours a day. Yes, or or as I happen to do 3x speed on, on my podcasting app of choice, I recognize many do not have that, but mine does. You use uh, Overcast then? Remind uh, me. I what don't you use. use Overcast because uh, uh, Overcast actually. Um, I, I think they only go up to 2x. I somebody use... somebody told me over... Uh, so I use the Apple one and only goes up to 2x, but somebody told me over, Overcast goes to 3, which is why I thought you might be uh, on that. What do you, no, what I, do you I use, use? I use one called Pocket Casts, mm-hmm. um, which which I love and I think is great. And it does 3x. And the reason I thought Overcast did not was because I'd actually read something that... that um, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. Um, the guy behind Overcast. I don't um, know his name, but yeah, that uh, guy... Yes, that guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, I, it's on the tip of my tongue, so I feel bad that I'm forgetting. But he had written a blog post about like you know speeding up podcasts and argued in it that no one should ever listen to a podcast above two x oh. and that it was effectively impossible. And I oh. was sitting there going, "No, <laughs> it's not true. I do it." <laughs> he's he's wrong. I listen to Audible books on three x all the time because the Audible app does go up to three x. Ah, okay, interesting. And I believe in listening to anything at its maximum logical yes. rate. Now some things um you like a beautiful performance some audiobooks in particular are magnificent performances and really should be listened to yes at one or maybe one and a quarter x um but some audiobooks you know you're just inhaling because it's it's kind of a playful page turner or it's nonfiction, and you just want to transfer that information in that nonfiction book into your brain as rapidly as possible and then it's really just a limit of you you know this you know the speed of your ear and also the quality of the recording or maybe the accent of the person. I find some things I just yep. can't get over 2x, but some no problem even at 3. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and 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 that's what I've discovered too. Like, you know, a, a well-recorded high-quality podcast, um I can usually listen to it 3x if I'm not driving. If I'm driving, I have to lower it to 2. Yes, unless um, you're driving very <laughs> very fast, in which case it just yes. the cadence matches. Then 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 it's possible. Yep. Uh, but I will not speak about my driving habits. No, no. <laughs> and I find if I'm in a lift, I can usually listen to 3x, but if I'm in an Uber, I can only listen to 2, which is <laughs> one more reason why I prefer Lyft to Uber. Well, that's a very very interesting data point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and if, if it's like, you're right. I mean, if, if someone, if it's heavily accented or the quality is not as good, then I definitely lower the speed. But yes. Sp- speaking of which, since we're talking about these things, yes. is there, is there an audio book for this as well? Yes, there will be. So um, the, the book book, I mean, the written book is, as mentioned, premiering on Medium uh, as of yesterday and, and about half of it will be basically freely available. We can get back to, to that. The audiobook comes out on August 1st, which is the day that the full book comes out, that, which is everything that's on Medium and all the stuff that isn't. Right. So the, the release date for both the print and the audiobook is August 1. And the audiobook is pretty fun. Um, I actually um, recently started listening to it because they took quite a while to get the file to me (laughs) but we have a really cool cast and so the two principal narrative parts uh there are two voice parts that probably are about 80 percent of the book but there's all these kind of playful elements to the narration as well one of which are these amazon reviews and so to take them as an example uh, all the Amazon reviews are read by John Hodgman, a brilliant comedian who I know you're yes. familiar with. And, and who, who he was, he did your the audiobook for for Year Zero. Right? Precisely, he read the whole of Year Zero, and uh, he is reading all the Amazon reviews in After On, which is perfect because. Uh, Charles Henry Higginsworth III of Boston, Massachusetts, is a voice that is just sort of sardonic and a little (laughs) world-weary and rather witty and rather dry. And that's pretty much Hodgman, who I will add is from the Boston suburbs. So he's perfect. Yes, which he's he's very proud of. Even even from the name of your Amazon reviewer, I I can picture it being a Hodgman-esque character. And and it's funny, when I wrote those reviews, it was before I even knew who Hodgman was. Um, Right. Not only had I not yet met him, I didn't know who he was as a person yet, but after I met him, and I probably met Hodgman, we probably became buddies around, probably around 2006, 2007. So a few years after I wrote all those reviews, ever since then, I've imagined them (laughs) in his voice. And so when he recorded them a few months ago in the studio, I, I... had to be there. So I showed up. We were both in the same 
studio in New York City, and I was blessed to sit there and listen to him, and it was just such a cool fulfillment because I'd <laughs> always sort of thought of these as being in Hodgman's voice, as indeed they now are. Right. And um, we got some other really cool voices. There is a, a blogger in the book named Netgirl, spelled with three R's. And yes, I have that URL as well. Um, and it, this is a very sort of savvy erudite um, commentator, sort of cultural commentator, and very sophisticated observer um, of online society in general. And particularly, she's a very skeptical observer of Flutter. And so mm -hmm. that voice in the audiobook is Felicia Day, and she oh. reads it magnificently. Um, there are excerpts in this book, which again, I'll, add, I'll, I'll reiterate, about 80% of the book is traditional narrative, but there's these fun excerpts. Mm -hmm. And so... Also in the book, there are a bunch of initially mysterious excerpts from a second novel, uh, which, if it were ever written out in its entirety, and don't worry, I never will write it out in its entirety, <laughs> I am convinced that this mysterious second novel would be the single worst science fiction novel ever written. <laughs> now, there's only about 20, 25, maybe 30 pages of it within the confines of After On. So, and it's also, it's awful in ways that will hopefully make people laugh as well as cringe, but it's very bombastic. It's this very uh, strenuous sort of crazy tale of this hyper macho, like almost like a phallocrat he's like this government agent <laughs> named brock hogan and um brock hogan's the, these this novel is read by uh patrick rothfuss who is a fabulous fantasy writer um extremely well regarded very very popular wrote the name of the wind and other stuff mm -hmm. as well and what most folks may not realize about patrick is he's just this great character he can do a really great stentorian <laughs> voice and so he read it with like great aplomb and uh leah laporte um a fellow uh, podcaster and tom yes. Merritt, a fellow podcaster yep. uh, are also voices in this book and so there's there's a lot of really fabulous voices uh jesse cox who is a really fun youtuber who is often talking about video games and stuff he he reads another blogger's voice so there's a lot there's a fun cast um and i'm real excited about the audiobook yeah yeah no that sounds like that would be enjoyable as well for for people who who like to listen to audiobooks at whatever speed <laughs> at whatever speed they want to listen and this is one that you know merits at a one or maybe one and a quarter because it is really beautifully performed yes um Though it may take a while at 600 pages. Well, you get your money's worth, right? <laughs> yes, um, yes. Fair it's, enough. It's, uh, I believe it's 22 hours wow. if listened to at 1x speed. And, you know, it's a funny thing when I'm a, I'm a Audible Platinum member. I mean, I listen mm -hmm. to an audiobook literally about once a week. Right. And it's something I do with audiobooks I don't do with any other media. But when I'm choosing an audiobook because I've paid, you know, the de facto flat price of, right. I think it's about 10 bucks a book if you do the, the Platinum membership. Um, okay, I've paid a fixed amount. I choose things in part based on the hour count. Like the longer it is, <laughs> the more value I'm getting for my 10 right. bucks. You know, at 22 hours, you know, it's like 40 cents an hour. That's a pretty right. good deal. There's a bit of a sunk cost fallacy in there. Yeah, somewhere. well, you, you <laughs> may you may even want to listen to it on half speed because then it's twenty cents <laughs> and an then hour. it extends it out. Yes, yeah. yes, I think you're you're demonstrating the problems of that fallacy. But oh but yeah, fair uh, enough. Dean, Daniel Kahneman would have a field day on yes. everything I'm saying right now. <laughs> hey, whatever makes you feel good about uh, <laughs> listening to books, I guess. Exactly. Um, so so let's talk a little bit about the medium thing here. Yes. Um, so so. You know, people have excerpted like chapters before. I know we see that pretty frequently. In fact, mm -hmm. I think we even may have excerpted one of your chapters in the past. Yes, you. Um, I believe you did uh, from yeah. year zero. Yeah, yeah. And but but this is this is obviously much more significant and different. So what's what's the thinking here? Well, it's uh, what is different about it is the enormity of it. They are um, they are excerpting uh, almost half the book, and that was. You know, based on a conversation that that the folks at Medium and Random House and I had, and you mentioned it in your intro, there there used to be a very common practice in publishing um, called they called it first serial, and it was in some ways a misnomer because it usually was just a solitary excerpt uh, of a book and a solitary issue of a magazine. But they called it mm -hmm. and serial implies multiple 
installments yeah. as they are in fact, as Medium is in fact doing with my novel. But first serial was a pillar of the publishing industry. And I don't know when it started. It may have been as far back as the 20s or the 30s. And it remained common until maybe about, you know, 2000, 2001. And in it, a major magazine or a minor magazine, you know, would, would excerpt a, a, an opening chunk from an upcoming book of consequence. It would typically, but not always, be done with nonfiction. So fiction, it would happen, but a little more mm-hmm. commonly with nonfiction. Um, and it, there was, this great excerpt would go out. Now, uh, publishers would win because the, the magazine would pay a licensing fee, not a huge one, but a good one, you know, and every, everything is, you know, every dollar is, is, is appreciated in any business. Sure. Um, authors and publishers would benefit because that, that's a great way to get the word out about the magazine and it would, the, the excerpt would come out before the, the book was published. Right. And, um, magazines benefited because they would get, you know, they'd be able to fill lots of pages with great content and although they were paying for that and medium is paying in this case to random house it was it would cost less than you know assigning an article of similar length you know so you might have a 10,000 word excerpt assigning a 10,000 word article is is pretty darn expensive because you're basically going to have to you know feed and shelter a reporter for months if they're writing a 10,000 word piece and so kind of everybody won and then what happened was toward the beginning of you know, the new millennium, uh, ad dollars have steadily left uh, print publishing. And as a result, the pages in the magazine have shrunk. There are fewer ad pages, there are therefore fewer content pages. And somewhere along the line, first serial essentially became a deeply endangered species because when you get to the point where there's, it's a shorter magazine, you still need to put original articles in there. It can't just be an excerpt of a book and right. you know, a few letters to the editor. So first serial has kind of gone away. And um, so first of all, there's this notion that like, hey, maybe we can bring this back in the digital age. And what's interesting about Medium uh, as a place to do it, and this was my pitch to Medium and also to Random House, was look, Medium has this feed and follow setup, as does Twitter and Facebook and a couple other things. Right. What's cool about that is if I premiere a big chunk of my novel or if nonfiction writers premiere big chunks of their books and, you know, Medium gets it in front of their audience and, you know, people hear about it, people hear about it on Tech Dirt and other places and they, they find us on Medium... Um, as a result of that, I will hopefully and presumably pick up a, a, a decent number of followers on Medium. And what that means is, in the future, when I have something to say as an author to my audience, to my readers, I'll probably never leave Medium because um, people are following me there. And Medium just fits very nicely with the cadences of authors in books. I mean, we write very long and frequent dispatches. So we're not very good at Twitter, we authors, I would say, in (laughs) in general. Um, Facebook has kind of failed us as a place to connect with our readers Mm -hmm. because even those readers who have proactively sought us out and followed us on Facebook, and I've got several thousand, not millions, but several thousand have done that with me on Facebook, Facebook charges us money to reach them with a post, which is kind of evil. It's brilliant. I mean, I, <laughs> right. hats off to them, and I wish I were a Facebook shareholder. I, I'm not, and I probably should be. But it's kind of evil, and, and, and authors are cheapskates. So that's a bad place for us to meet our readers. Um, independent blogging is not a great place for us because, you know, blogging is really, I mean, media habits online are really generally daily. And so... Unless you're blogging daily, you're not really going to gather an audience. And if you if you have something to say a few times a year, as, as most authors do, maximum, nobody is going to check in every day to make sure you still have a pulse. And so it becomes kind of like shouting in the wind. But with Medium, right. you know, people there really like to read. They like to read long form. And that delights authors because we still write long form. Um, you gather a community of people around an upcoming release. They will follow you, let's hope. And having followed you, if you pipe up again seven months from now, unlike with an independent blog, they're going to see that because you're going to show up in their feed. And unlike with Twitter, you can use more than 140 characters, which those of us who write 600-page novels like (laughs) using more than 140. And unlike Facebook, they're not going to charge us to reach people. And unlike, um, you know, if I put an excerpt of a a chapter on, you know, a, a, a website... I won't get the followers in the way that I will in Medium. So I feel like Medium 
could be just perfectly tuned to the rhythms and the cadences of authors and books. And so that was my theory in proposing this and also in proposing this crazy huge excerpt. And we'll see if people respond well to it. Yeah, no, I, I think it'll definitely be an interesting experiment. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how it how it plays out also. Um, yeah. It's, you know, everyone's sort of trying to figure out all these different things, you know, kind of what's happening in the publishing industry, because obviously that's certainly changed a lot. And, you know, how, how different things are, are working online and, and even yep. Medium is, is has been trying to figure out how, how Medium, what or what Medium is. Yeah, they have honed their model multiple times. And we'll see if they, it's it's unclear if this is going to become a big bet for them. Uh, this is kind of a pilot effort. Right. But I, I, I would imagine, you know, if it works, I would I would personally, as the person who's who's the first through the shoot and who kind of, you know, conned both medium into random house into doing this, I would be <laughs> delighted if dozens and eventually hundreds of authors followed suit. The other thing that I'll say about medium, then I'll shut up about how awesome medium is. Cause I really do love medium. <laughs> but the other thing is it's uh, medium's a good place to read. And that's important. Yeah. Um, Cause they've got a great app, uh, tablet app that, that reads wonderful on an iPad or other tablet and nobody's going to read hundreds of pages. Well, few people will read hundreds of pages in a web browser on a computer screen. But Medium does have this sort of app slash tablet reading experience, which I, is important if you're if you're dealing in long excerpts like I am. Yeah, and you know, Medium to their credit certainly has they've put a, a ridiculous amount of of thought and and uh, experimentation into making the reading process work well. Yeah. Um, and, and who who better great. than Ev to do that because of his experience with Blogger and then Twitter? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's everywhere. He's <laughs> <That> everywhere. <laughs> he is because he saves so much money. I'm sorry, he saves so much time writing his name. He just has to write two letters, <laughs> and so, that leaves so much time to found companies and and tweet and things like that. And blog and write and, and blog yes, and write. Yeah, and, yep, and you know. re reinvent how people communicate on the internet. Yeah, that's the beauty of a two letter name. <laughs> oh, I should blame my parents. For <laughs> yeah, you've got 100% as many letters. I've got 50% more in yes. my name. So, you yes. know. This well, eats into our schedules. <laughs> it's it's a big problem. <laughs> uh, um, cool. Um, so, uh, as I think we're we're sort of getting close to wrapping up here, mm -hmm. um, the um, let's go back to 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 the book itself, um, mm -hmm. and and let's give people more reasons to be excited about <laughs> going out and and getting it, or you know, reading it on Medium, or or picking up the. The physical copy, or the audio copy, or all of the all of the above, mm -hmm. uh, if you would like, um, give us a sales pitch beyond what you you said earlier, which was which you know I think is definitely very intriguing. It's and and I will put you know my stamp of approval on the book. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it, uh, but uh, uh, give us the give us the I guess the the slightly longer than elevator pitch uh, of why people should why this audience should read the book. Well, I hope, you know, this is this is something that readers will ultimately be the judge of, but I hope, and I do believe, um, it's just intensely present tense. Yeah. Um, it's set, well, actually, it's set nine seconds into the future. So um, <laughs> whenever you read it, it's happening nine seconds hence, which is very close to the present. So you have to read it fast. Otherwise, <laughs> it'll end up in the past after you start reading it, I suppose. But it, it's set in present-day San Francisco. It is set in the thick of um, the entrepreneurial world that many of your readers uh, are deeply familiar with, or at minimum, probably quite interested in. Um, I'm a native of that world. I started, as you mentioned at the beginning, I started the company that built the Rhapsody Music Service. I've been involved in um, entrepreneurship and startups since before that, and ever since then as well. And so being a native of that world, I've often found when the Silicon Valley scene and, and present day San Francisco, or even San Francisco nine seconds in the future, is represented in other media or is represented in other, by other storytellers, it's often represented by people who have sort of a cartoonish view of it or yeah. have just sort of an imagined view of it from an enormous distance and are doing their best to guess at what it's like. I yeah. would exempt uh, HBO's I was going to say, the, the, with, with the one exception. The big exception, yeah. And that's a really 
really, really fun exception. But I've seen, yeah. and I won't mention any names because it'd be kind of crass as an author, but um, there has been more than one very good writer, um, in, in more than one case, uh, writers of great literary fiction, uh, yeah. who have tried to take on life in the valley and just ha it's becomes very evident that they've never worked a day in a tech company yeah. and and they have great metaphors and beautiful prose and but you know that doesn't really capture <laughs> our moment it doesn't really capture what technology is capable and incapable of doing it doesn't really capture the scene that we navigate in yeah. and um so i think that it's it is there's something that's deeply authentic about it in representing our world and then the other thing is yeah if you dig science and technology um, I spent countless hours talking to Adam Ghazali and Andy Hessel and, and uh, Steve Jervidson and lots of other you know, folks about things like quantum computing and superintelligence and so forth. So you don't have to. It's all distilled into one book. And it is, I, I appreciate your saying it's a thoughtful book. Um, it is science fiction, but it's, it's very, very, very deeply based in, in the realities of yeah. technology and science and their limitations. And I think somebody who reads it with an interest in, in the topics it tackles will learn, um, hopefully, a, a great deal about many of the topics that it gets into. So, um, you know, with all that, and then it also it, it is playful. You know, there, yes. are, there are these mad Amazon reviews and this goofy excerpts of this insane and until toward the end of the book, mysterious novel. And there's lots of tweets and there's lots of blog posts and there's articles that I attribute to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, there's a lot of fun narrative tools and there's this really, really, really annoying narrator um, <laughs> who luckily stays out of the way about 98% of the time. But the book opens with this unidentified narrator who is kind of comically irritating to me anyway. Now, I obviously wrote it myself, but this is not Rob <laughs> Reed. This is mysterious narrator of book. And that's kind of a, it's, I think that's kind of a fun device as well. Uh, yeah. the, the narrator sort of backs off after a few pages, and that's good because you'd want to hit this person after a while. Um, <laughs> but kind of eases in from time to time, sort of poke the reader and, and remind the reader that th this is a narrated book and the narrator has not lost track of you. And uh, that's not revealed who that is until the last three pages. And I think that's kind of fun, too. Everybody's got their theories. Yeah. Uh, and some are right, but many are wrong. And I think, <laughs> I think most people get a kick out of getting to the very end and either realizing, like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that this was the narrator. Or, ha, I was right. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay. I've not gotten to the end of the book yet. so You will so find I, out. I will find out. You will find out. Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Anyway, so hopefully that all of that uh, should should uh, get you curious about the book. Um, it is it is definitely a fun and interesting and, and thought provoking read at the same time. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's a it's a great book. So check it out. Um, check it out on Medium now and August one. It is out in the world. Yes. And uh I guess subscribe to Medium too, so you can stay in touch with Rob as as other stuff happens. But as each of the new uh, parts of the serial come out each each week, you were saying. Yeah. So I should. Um, weeks. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rat us out here. We're we're actually <laughs> recording this a few days before uh, July 11th, and as we are sitting here and talking, it has not yet gone up on Medium, and so there's a few things that are still being figured out about the user interface and user experience. Um, Technically, it will be necessary to be a Medium member uh, in order to access it. Uh, and as of a few months ago, membership on Medium is five bucks a month. But uh, the intention, and I am almost certain the reality will be that anybody who wants to access this stuff will be able to do so for free. Like you can become a member with a free trial on generous terms uh, without having to drop a credit card or anything else. So uh, I believe by just simply following me on Medium, you will be able to access uh, this fabulous stuff. And if not, we'll, we'll post an addendum <laughs> before this thing goes live on the, on the web. So there's no sure. addendum posted to this, you listener can assume, uh, <laughs> that this stuff is freely available and you should, you should, uh, I'd love it if you checked it out. Yeah. 
Yeah, now that you've pulled away the curtain of the uh, We're time traveling. Yes. The the mystery of how we how we do the Tech Turd podcast. Yes, exactly. A, a curtain that has been pulled back in the past. As in well. the past, so, I know. I know. That's why I didn't feel quite so guilty about yeah, it. It's not a problem, not a problem. Uh anyways, um Rob, uh thank you for joining us. It's always fun to to talk with you and Indeed. uh um, the, uh, and for everyone who's listening, thanks for joining us as well. And uh, go check out the book and check out Medium and Rob. And if you haven't read his earlier books, uh, there's more than just Year Zero. That's the only one I spoke about. But he's got some other ones from way back. Ancient. Um, <laughs> ancient books, uh, which are different but also good. So uh, go check it out. And uh, Rob, again, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be back next Thank week. Thank you. With, uh, some other podcast topic. I have no idea what next week will be. <laughs> It'll be something fabulous. <laughs> something excellent, of course, yes. as always. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks again. Bye. Thank you. Okay, and we're back uh, because we... Well, I, I was going to say messed up, but we didn't quite mess up. No, <laughs> we, we just failed to predict the future precisely. Yes, we, we recorded this a little bit early, as we admitted in the podcast, and uh, we didn't have all of the details. And now we're much closer to all of this launching. And so we do have details. And some of those details are slightly different, as I understand it, than what we initially said in the podcast. So Slightly. So we have Rob back again to clear up the details. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> what's going to happen is um, there will be 12 excerpts of the book running over the span of about three weeks. Okay. Um, it may have been four. It's been a few weeks since we recorded. Yeah. If I said four, it's now 12. If I said 12, it's still 12, but it's 12 <laughs> excerpts. And uh, they start on July the 10th, which is today, right? Monday yesterday. the 10th, which is yesterday, <laughs> yes. The first excerpt went up yesterday. And what they're going to do is they're going to run Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, for three weeks. And then the final excerpt, which is going to go up on the 31st of July, uh, I should say the final three excerpts will all go up on the same day. Okay. Uh, now, this is odd timing, and the reason is this. The first three posts that go up, including yesterday's, tomorrow's, and Friday's, those are going to be wide open access on Medium. Those will be free to the world forever and ever. You don't have to be a registered member or anything. Um, okay. Then starting on Monday the 17th, the excerpts that go up at that point um, are going to require membership, and there is a 14-day free trial. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to put them up in such a way that all f uh, of the remaining nine excerpts will go up in the same essentially 14-day period, uh, which is why we're putting up three all at once at the tail end. Got um, it. So I and think that's right before the actual book comes out. Precisely. And so the last three excerpts will go up on July the 31st, a Monday, and August 1st, the next day, a Tuesday, is the day that the book is published. And the you know 60% of the book that is not going up on Medium will then be available in the normal form of a book or a Kindle read or whatever it is. Right. So if if you want to read the first 40% of the book for free, that is possible. Yes, but you have to time it just so. <laughs> so here's what you do. You read the first three excerpts that went up yesterday, tomorrow, and Friday. Don't start your free trial. Right. And then on Monday, next Monday, the 17th, Start your 14-day free trial, read the excerpts as they go up, and then, gosh, I hope Ev Williams doesn't listen to this because <laughs> this sounds just terrible. But if you really, really want to make sure you get access to this for free, then you kind of bail on the program on the 31st. Right, but there may be perfectly good reasons to continue. Now, I'm going to be actually, perfectly and, and honest. I, I, I am now, I've been a Medium subscriber for a little while um, and I intend to continue. And so, yes, at, at five bucks a month, <laughs> you get quite a bit. Um, and so I would actually encourage people to stick around for a month or two and see what it's like. <laughs> there will also probably be a special deal that has not yet been announced on this book after on and media membership. So uh -huh. you know, put your antenna up as the 31st <laughs> comes around. I would actually genuinely, sincerely... Um, heart of Hearts, encourage people to stick around with media membership for a while because it's pretty, it's pretty darn cool. Okay. Okay. 
Interesting. All right, that, that that makes sense. And of course, if you, but if you do want to read the the whole book, um, you got to buy the you, you, you got to buy the sucker. Buy the yeah, even <laughs> if you do your free trial, even if you roll into media membership, yes. only about forty forty five percent of the book is going to go up on those twelve excerpts, and then the rest is going to come along. Right, 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 and then. And you can buy, as I assume, the ebook or the, the the regular book. And as we discussed, obviously, there's the audio book as well. Yes. All, and all once those. again, there may just be a special <laughs> deal if you end up sticking around with your man. And I'm, I'm being vague partly because we're still figuring it out. But there's uh-huh. going to be something. <laughs> Are we going to have to record another addendum? <laughs> no, no, we will not. We will not. Because that's just, you know, that'll be after this podcast yes, airs. Yes. And, and it will all be hopefully up in very plain black and white on the Medium site. Yeah. But anyways, it, it is it is a fun book. And, and if you don't believe me, you will now certainly at least um, certainly be able to read the first three segments uh, that'll be released for free and will remain free forever. And then hopefully you can read some more as well. And, you know, that should get you hooked. And those those three segments are about 51 pages. And so I think if you get 51 pages in and you're miserable, you get everything <laughs> you need to know about whether this book is going to appeal to you. <laughs> yes. And if you're 51 pages and you're delighted, yeah, you know, maybe you, maybe you step up. It's obviously your choice. Yeah. This is a tangent, and we don't have too much time. We don't want to add too much time to this, but but I, I do remember there was a few years ago where where there were a couple experiments with like movies where they were releasing like the first like fifteen or twenty minutes of the movie online, really, and, and seeing if that would drive you know actual ticket sales, which seemed like such a great idea to me, right? As opposed to unless just like the a, first a fifteen minutes suck, you right? Know? <laughs> exactly. And, but if, uh, if you you know if you have faith that the movie's good and the beginning is good, then yeah. like it seemed like such a great idea, and I you know. I think it was. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the 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 movie that was done by the the guy who did Wallace and Gromit. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And he did like a feature length film that involved chickens, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's funny. Well, <laughs> that, that sounds is, like a good idea, yeah. but it must have proven to be a bad idea because yeah, because nobody are, else seems to do it. <laughs> this this may bode very very poorly for the future of my novel. Actually, <laughs> well, you know, I think books and and movies are are different. And as and as we noted in the earlier podcast, I mean, there is a history of of books doing something kind of like this with magazines, right? Yes, there is. There's a long history of that. Yeah. So. Um, yes, I, I would not read too much into the the failure of the movie version of, of, of this. All right. Well, my fingers are crossed tight that this all turns out magnificently. Yes, and I'm sure it will. And so if you're listening to this, go now. You can go and, and check it out on Medium and at least the very first segment of it. And there'll be more very soon. So, Like uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> well, it depends Friday. on when you listen to this. People oh, that's know, true. That's people true. don't know. You know, I would like to assume that people will listen to this the second it comes out. But, you know, I think I have to be a little bit realistic in admitting that's probably not the case. Got it. Got it. Well, we can only <laughs> optimize for time shifting so much. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So anyways, um, yeah, check it out. There'll, there'll be something on there. <laughs> um, p- potentially a lot of stuff if you're listening to this late. But anyways... Um, Rob, uh, thanks for coming back again. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> and uh, any, anything else to, to leave the people with? Uh, no, I think that about sums it up for now. We can right. always do, if, I, if, if something comes to mind, we can always do another addendum. Yes, yes, and, and make everyone suffer. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, thanks for coming back, and thanks, everyone, for, for listening to this addendum. And uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. Someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tear. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt.